You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church or service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. It's great to have you here this morning, and I'm just going to speak for about uh, 20 hours. Um, <laughs> no fear there. 20 minutes, approximately. I'm looking at the clock, and I'm hoping to keep it there as well. Um, children should be seen and not heard. Who said that before? <laughs> children should be seen and not heard. Well, that's certainly not the case in this church. You want them to be seen and be heard. But that is the kind of church that I grew up in. And uh, it was a, a prominent cathedral in, uh, in England. Uh, I was there for a little while. Unfortunately, I didn't get into the school. They, see, they give out scholarships to people that are talented enough for them. I wasn't talented enough. Apparently, my voice was an alto. And you know, all these kids, I went for about a year, and all these kids would walk around the school, and the, the, the mark of being a cool kid was how high you could sing. So I had no chance. Because all these kids, I'm, I'm not kidding. This is the kind of school it was. The kids would go around school going, Aah! and if you couldn't compete with that, then, then you, you were toast. <laughs> That's the kind of school I went to, and I didn't get a scholarship to stay there um, because my voice was too low, so I couldn't make it into the cathedral choir. But it was a very children must be seen and not heard kind of church at the time. I never met Jesus the whole time I was there. In fact, I met him when I was 20 years old and wasn't even going to church. It's not that he wasn't there, but it seemed as if people were trying to keep me from him. Ask questions as long as they're the right ones. And only when spoken to, speak when spoken to. And be seen, but be clean. That's the message that I got, be seen, but be clean. Anyone who's ever been to a kind of high-collar church where your mum's got the hanky out like licked it and scrubbed your face. How oh, disgusting. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I've just realised there's probably a ton of parents in here to do that. <laughs> it's alright. Um, I could get myself in real trouble here. That's no, fine, it's fine. Keep doing it. <laughs> actually, I think the sentiment behind children should be seen and not heard is actually um, that they can be seen and they can be heard as, as long as it's on adult terms. As long as it's you know, how we want it to be in places that we want it to be. And actually the sentiment is more about control and actually about selfishness. I returned to this church in my 20s, not to go to church, but I had a friend staying with me, who was an American, and, you know, so he wanted to see a big English cathedral, so I thought, right, let's take him there. And uh, so we took him there, and, uh, and as we went in, it's a grand kind of place, and it's lovely, and it's all very peaceful, and we're walking around the church, and it's... It's lovely. And I took him up to where the choir stalls are because my brother was the head chorister. Okay. <laughs> he was the head chorister in the church. And, um, and so he had a special seat, you know. And he even got a gold sovereign once, which I nicked and tried to pawn, but don't tell him that. <laughs> and, and as I got there, there was like a, a little barrier, you know, one of those nice fancy red ropes. And it was just sectioning off that area. The public weren't allowed there. But I thought, well, my brother used to be head chorister here, so I'm just going to go through, and I showed my American friend, that's where my brother used to sit, and that's really cool, and this lady came along, and she had a sash. <laughs> yeah, and, and she said, what are you doing? And, and she, she basically, she asked me food, which is fine, because I shouldn't have been there anyway. But there was this sense that there's a restriction to access 
within the church to people that aren't in the club. Perhaps sometimes it may seem that we churches can be like that with a lot of adults. That you can be here, but you can't belong. Or you can fill a pew, but leave your personality behind. We don't mind if you've had a history, as long as we don't see your history coming into this place. Come as you are, but you better change pretty sharpish. Now I think sometimes that's what we project as churches. Uh, and I want to say to you today, firstly, sorry that we've done that in the past. But I also want to tell you today that Almighty God is more real than any church that you've ever set foot in. And he's infinitely powerful. He's incomparably beautiful. He's unsearchably wise. He's unchangingly loving. And he's hospitable. And this is what I want you to know today. That God says to you, child, you belong. Earlier I took Ruddy into my arms just a couple of minutes ago to dedicate him. And I read a few verses from Mark's Gospel. And those verses, in those verses, a lot of people were bringing children to Jesus and asking Jesus to bless them much in the same way that I have just done. And he's very welcome to make as much noise as possible. I have a microphone. <laughs> and the thing that really puzzles me is that his disciples, his followers, were trying to stop these people bringing their kids to Jesus. And actually the time of little children, if you really look into it, it's more about being babies. It's more about being young toddlers. And Jesus tells his disciples off for doing that and says, don't hinder them from coming. Don't try to stop them. In fact, he gets pretty annoyed with his disciples about it. And then he says, heaven belongs to such as these. And he adds a caveat to that. If you can't be like this, then you can't receive the kingdom of heaven. Now, what, God is, uh, what Jesus is not suggesting there is that we suddenly all start acting like toddlers. Because that would be a really messy kind of church, wouldn't it? Just throw stuff about, you know. I want to explore two brief questions right now because Jesus says the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like this. The first question is, why would the disciples try to stop them? And the first thing is society. That it was a patriarchal society and in many ways it promoted the role or the status of a man above that of a woman or a child. And in fact, of course there were a necessity. You needed women, you needed children for the future of the nation. But they could be an annoying hindrance at times and that's the way they were kind of projected. They had their place as long as they stayed in their place. Now, even though this is what the Bible portrays, it's definitely not what God is trying to institute. Because Jesus goes to great lengths to welcome women uh, on an equal footing and to welcome children on an equal footing and saying, this is it, there is a level playing field here and now. And when these, uh, these guys, these uh, rulers, Pharisees, bring along a woman who's been caught in adultery and they are determined to stone her to death. And Jesus steps in, draws a line in the sand and says, any one of you who is perfect, hasn't done a thing wrong, hasn't put a foot out of step, any one of you like that, you can throw the first stone at this woman. And of course nobody can step up to that, because everybody has sinned in some way in their lives. And so society does down the women at this time and the children. The question is, where was the husband? 
If he was caught in adultery as well, why wasn't he there being stoned also? Why was it just the woman? Today, what that means for us is that there are people that maybe we see as less valuable, more of a nuisance, more irritating, distracting, smelly, risky, problematic. Maybe that's how we see it today. We're not, we're not so hardened children and, and women in church today, but maybe there are other types of people who we would marginalise and not accept. The second thing is that I think the disciples thought it was getting a bit out of hand. It was getting a bit messy or disrupting. Here they are listening to the best public speaker they've ever heard in their lives. And he's saying things and doing things that are literally rocking their world. And they're lapping it up. They're loving it. And they can't get enough. And now these annoying women are bringing these crying babies along to Jesus and dis- disrupting what they're hearing, what they want to do, what they want to hear. And they're trying to distract and take Jesus' time. And they're like, enough of that. We don't want that kind of distraction here. I, I may have said before, but I, I spoke to a church many, many years ago when I was a youth worker. And I was about to go to the church to speak about the youth work we were doing. And the pastor phoned me and he said, listen, tell us everything about what you're doing. We love, uh, we love that. We want to support it financially and what have you. But listen, don't ask the church to have kids in this church because we've just had our carpets changed. No word of lie, that's exactly what he said. We've had our carpet changed. Really, if you want to check up on it, you do that. <laughs> you're welcome. And then the third thing is control. Okay, so they thought they were doing Jesus a favour. Like the lady with the sash thought she was doing her official duty. I don't begrudge her at all. She was doing what she was told to do. And maybe these disciples, they thought the same thing. They thought they were doing what they should be doing. Keeping order, keeping it together, keeping control, making sure that Jesus' voice is heard above the noise. And in doing so, they decided there's a proper way of doing things, and they try to protect that proper way. And how many times have we been guilty of trying to maintain the proper right way of doing things? And we don't like it if we hear too much noise going on. Kids are welcome in this church. They are welcome here. If we think that Jesus is about religion, then we hold people back from seeing him. We hinder them, and Jesus says, do not hinder them. If we think that Jesus is all about tradition, that how we do things this way every single week, and this is the right way, this is the order, if we think that's what this is about, then we hinder people from seeing Jesus. So to the believers today, here's a word for us here. Don't hinder people who don't believe in Jesus yet by making it more about the tradition than about the King of Kings, who is over the tradition. The second question I want to ask briefly is, what does it mean to be like them? Obviously, I cannot be like Rudy. So what does it mean to be like them? What does it mean that the kingdom belongs to such as these little children, babies? It can't be received unless you're like this. How does that work? Rudy has an honest humility about him. There's no false humility in this young man. There's nothing there where he's trying to put on a show. There's nothing there in his mind where he's trying to show you his best self. Putting on his Sunday best and coming and going, look at me, what a great person I am. There's nothing there. There's no false humility. There's no arrogance in him. 
There's no hidden agenda. There's complete dependence. Look at that picture of these lovely parents. Look at the complete and total trusting dependence that really places in them. That's what Jesus is saying, kind of like that. Complete dependence, complete trust, complete humility. Really doesn't try to earn their love. As he goes on, he might try and earn sweeties in the sweet shop. <laughs> he might try and earn the next Nerf gun or you know, whatever as he grows up. But he's never going to need to earn their love because it's a given that these two will love him. Even at the great cost to themselves, they will love him. That's how Jesus is saying, come to heaven, come to me. Complete dependence. Don't try to earn your love. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you because he loves you already. He loves you completely already. And then the other thing about Rudy is that he is completely not religious. It's just natural to him. Unreligious. Knowing Jesus is not about being religious. It's about knowing who you are in him and knowing who he is. Firstly, and most importantly, he's not welcomed by Vicky and David because of his behaviour. He's delighted in because they brought him into this world. His identity is with them. His identity is part of the family and not a servant attached to the family. That's his identity. He's a son. He's a son. So when Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, no false humility or arrogance, complete dependence upon him, the loving father, sincere trust, not trying to earn love, not trying to be good enough to be loved, and be completely unreligious. Don't hold tradition above relationship with God. And as I wrap this up, my father died when I was a one-year-old boy. And my stepfather had already commenced, at this stage, a relationship with my mother. And in every way, my stepfather was a usurper to the real father in my life. He was volatile, he was violent, and uh, he was unfamiliar with the concept of truth. He assumed the identity of father in my life. I grew up knowing him as dad. I had to call him dad because otherwise I'd get a leathering for it. So that's the model of father that I grew up with. But I was never his son. And he never adopted me either. So it was always just assumed that he was my dad. I was born to have a father-son relationship with another man called Arnold Derek Workman. And the consequence of not having that relationship was carried everywhere I went because I was walking with mistaken identity. Multiple surnames, but I was always a workman. I was always my father's son. You can take the name away, but I'm always my father's son. My identity is always in that first family that I had. Mankind was created to have a relationship like a father-child relationship with God the Father, created in his image. But because of sin, we became estranged. And sin became like that stepfather in our lives. 
And the one who became our father is the father of lies. Everything he speaks is deceit. It's smoke and mirrors. Everything is smoke and mirrors. And that what the relationship is that we're meant to have is a relationship with the Father God. And the enemy of Father God, the devil, does everything he can to be the father of lies within your life. Listen, never in history, never, have we had such access into each other's lives. You can find out pretty much anything you want about anyone in this room just by stalking them a little bit on Facebook. Don't do that, it's really naughty. (laughs) But there there is such access into your lives. We are closer, in a sense, than we've ever been in history. And yet, this dream of a utopian society is being sold to us on a regular basis. It's never been more plausible. And we put so much effort into being picture perfect, regardless of the reality. We, we Instagram our every move, or Facebook if you're a bit older, and if you're a bit older it's a photo album, but generally we, we're just up there all the time, constantly putting pictures up of our beautiful lives. Uh, and the thing is, it's kind of creating these unrealistic visual cues. Be beautiful in everything that you do. I didn't actually put this on Facebook or any social media because it's just crazy. I was in Israel and we were at um, Capernaum, I think one of the the churches in Capernaum, and there was a a young lady at the front of the church. It wasn't Capernaum. Where's the one with the big boat at the front? Magdala. Magdala. Beautiful front. There's a massive boat at the front of church and then a big glass window so that you can see out onto the Sea of Galilee. It's beautiful. And and it was a really nice kind of place to be in. Lots and lots of interesting things to look at. And I kid you not, there was a young girl, probably about 16, 17 at the front, with her mother holding her mobile phone, as she was doing. (laughs) Like doing all these kind of poses, making sure her hair was right. She didn't even notice the view. All the beauty that was there, she was so absorbed in that moment of trying to look beautiful. And even this guy who's crying looks like it's completely engineered. Are you not sick of the fake? Are you not tired of trying to keep up with everything, trying to maintain this, this idea that you've got a beautiful life, that everything's together? We've never posted the moments where everything's falling apart. Here's a picture of me, and I've just woken up out of bed, and my face is all up here somewhere. And, you know, I've got the sleep coming out of my eyes over there. You can be who you want to be, you can be how you want to be, so long as it doesn't antagonise or upset somebody else. That's the message of this society, be whoever you want to be. Uh, and we think that we have a tribe that cares for us. We really feel like we've got a tribe that cares for us, but that tribe is a survival of the fittest, dog-eat-dog tribe. It's be beautiful, be performing, match up, be the kind of character with the kind of values that we want you to have. And if not, you don't belong to our tribe. So actually, existence now is entirely conditional, or peaceful existence is entirely conditional because you have to match what society is saying. Are you not tired of that? You've got to be confident, you must be able, you must hit your targets. Otherwise you're not good enough, you don't belong to our tribe anymore. But now, because of this same Jesus who said, let the little children come to me, there's an invitation for you to be adopted by Father God 
that invitation is extended to you today, and it is unconditional. He says, come as you are. He will change you. He will transform your life. But he says, come as you are. You don't have to be something to fit this tribe. You have to recognize who he is. I'm here to tell you today that God Almighty is more real than any church that you've ever walked into in your life. He's infinitely powerful, incomparably beautiful, unsearchably wise, and yet unchangingly loving and hospitable. And today he says to you, child, you belong. You belong. If you respond to him today, the unreality of this can become the reality of this. Complete, abandoned, joyful praise. God the Father, who loves you, who gave his son to die for you, to give you peace, and to give you a family to belong to. That is Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you that you've made a way for us to have a relationship with you. And that you are the same God that created the heavens and the earth, that put everything into place and everything into motion. You're the same God who spoke with such power that things came into being. And the word that you speak to us today is no less powerful as you say, come home, son. Come home, daughter. I thank you that through Jesus Christ we have access to Father God in heaven. And I thank you that if we become in our mindset like little children, completely trusting you, completely bowing before you, completely removing our arrogance and our fake humility, and say, Lord, we need to know you. Lord, you've made a way for us to know you. Through Jesus Christ, through his bloodshed on the cross, thank you that our sin can be washed as white as snow, even today, as we come before you. So I pray that you would stir in our hearts, Lord. Remind us, believers, to be welcoming as you welcome little children. Remind us all to come to you like children. In Jesus' name.